about now? Is that better? We're going to hold it. <laughs> Just going to hold it. Switch hands. All right. So we're here to talk about attacking fulfillment and winning. First, I should introduce myself. Uh, I'm Jake Heldenberg. I'm a sales consultant uh, for Von Alanda, uh, focusing on warehousing in North America. Uh, before Cloudy introduces herself, I want to tell you a little bit of a story about me. Uh, still can't hear me. How about now? Oh, boy. Check. Oh, we're going to okay. go with the mic. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Five minutes, please. Okay, how about now? <laughs> All right, so a little bit about me. Uh, before I gave this presentation, uh, my boss came to me to say, hey, I want you to give a presentation. Uh, and I said, uh, yeah, about what? And uh, he started to explain it, and we all had a nice conversation. And he said, you look ragged, basically, and uh, you need to go buy a suit. So normally I want you to know I don't look this good ever. So you can thank my boss, which I do appreciate, and I wanted to give him credit today for getting me to buy a suit so that I could present to all of you guys. Thank you. I'm Claudia van Dos, and I work as a system engineer at Van der Lande for a little bit over one year now. And in my role, I'm responsible also for developing new order fulfillment concepts for your business. Um, in my previous job, I also worked for the biggest e-com company in Holland. And there I helped them mechanize their processes. So hopefully we can do a little bit of both so I can understand you and you can understand me. So a little, becoming a little bit, the worlds are coming closer, actually. So a little bit about Vanderlande. So we're a global market leader across three market segments, both airports, warehousing, and parcel. Uh, we have over 6,500 employees, and we were established in 1949. Uh, this past year, we've had over 1.7 billion in revenue. Uh, specifically, you can see on the, on the infographic there, we've, we sort 11.5 million bags per day at some of the largest airports in the world, uh, Atlanta being one of them, to which I'll say if your bag made it to you on time, that was us. If it was late, somebody else, or not delivered at all, still somebody else. Warehousing, so many of the largest warehousing companies, uh, we work with Amazon, we work with uh, Nike, Timberland Urban, as you can see, and Parcel, we sort 45 million parcels per day, and of course we work with UPS, DHL, uh, and FedEx. Now I want to share a video about Vanderlande. I promise you we'll get there. There we go. Vanderlande, moving your business forward. Vanderlande is one of the world's leading suppliers of value-added logistic process automation in the warehousing market with seven decades of experience. Many of the largest global e-commerce players and distribution firms already have confidence in Vanderlande's efficient and reliable solutions. The company's systems are active at 12 of Europe's 20 largest e-commerce companies. Vanderlande understands the complexities associated with operating a successful warehouse operation. Food, fashion and general merchandise companies face a number of challenges due to the continued growth of e-commerce. They must offer a wide selection of products, sustain reliable and accurate deliveries, facilitate short order lead times and late cutoff times, 
as well as meet the demand for multiple store formats. For these reasons, warehouses are looking for state-of-the-art solutions that help them to provide the highest throughput, facilitate any lead time and improve the user experience for their operators. As a reliable partner for value-added logistic process automation, Vanderlander is able to meet the individual requirements of any warehouse. Vanderlander, moving your business forward. Okay, so now you know a little bit about Vanderlander. Uh, we're going to dive right into the presentation. We're going to talk about uh, the market landscape and challenges and opportunities and the way forward. So what does the market look like today? In particular, you can see two graphs up here. Uh, one is e-commerce sales growth and total retail sales growth. And the other is e-commerce sales versus uh, retail sales. The important takeaway is that you can see uh, in the graph on the left, the percent growth for e-com has been drastic. 20% uh, pretty much year over year. And retail has been pretty stable uh, around 3% to 4% year over year. What the market talks about today is we always talk about e-com, e-com, e-com. And we fail to realize that uh, $3.7 trillion of revenue last year uh, was actually in retail versus $600 billion of revenue was in e-com. So I don't know about you guys, but if you tell me which number is bigger, I'm going to go with retail. It's quite a bit bigger. So 3% on $3.7 trillion actually translates to more growth in absolute dollar value here uh, than what we had in growth in e-com. What that's done is changed the landscape a bit. So now we see, uh, in the market, you see a lot of talk about Omni. How do we get into uh, leveraging these retail stores where we're generating $3.7 trillion in revenue, but as well handle the growth of 20% year-over-year in e-com growth? How do we handle these uh, next, let's say, uh, business trends and technology trends? Business trends being urbanization. We see that millennials in particular, moving closer and closer to cities. We also see that millennials are looking for instant and same-day delivery. So how does that impact the store format, the, the growth number of SKUs? We want availability. We want to make sure that when we go online, the product is there and it can be delivered to us quickly. Finally, something else that is becoming, let's say, more and more uh, of a global issue is our social uh, and environmental responsibility. So specifically, you know, I don't want to bring up, let's say, political topics, but climate, climate change is a big one, right? So how are we going to combat that? How are we going to make sure that we're socially, environmentally responsible? When we look at some of the things up here, some of the technology that we're, let's say, trending towards, uh, you have predictive analysis. Can we market better and then change our DC approach to better handle how we've marketed what we're planning on selling? Uh, yeah, how do we reduce the, the impact of wage growth? Is that through robots, uh, sensors, and automation? And of course, we have even more advanced technology coming up with augmented reality and artificial intelligence. So next, I'd actually like to poll you guys, but it's a little bit loud in here, so I can't do it the same way I had hoped. Uh, wanted to find out what challenges you guys were facing in your DCs today. Like I said, we won't be able to hear you guys speak, so lucky for all of you, you don't have to speak. But I'll give it over to Cloudy to talk about some of those challenges that we expect you to say. Next slide. 
So actually what we are seeing at our customers that it actually doesn't depend on what level of automation that you are, but that the top DC challenges are actually pretty much the same for all of you. So I hope you agree, of course. Because isn't it true that you always have a need for extra capacity within your warehouse? So not, there is no space uh, to expand. There is uh, a lot of investment needed to have this extra space. So there's really a need for extra capacity. And that's not only outbound capacity, that's also inbound capacity as well, like storage. In my previous job, there were people, I think, full-time working on just moving stock just to come up with new locations because new stock has to enter the building. So it's always about moving, moving, moving. It looked like we're, we're working for a moving company actually, instead of real logistic service provider. Labor scarcity, already a big problem for a lot of companies actually. And what you're seeing is it's, it's getting wage wars actually between companies to get the people in, especially combined with that high peak factor for e-com, which almost doubles or triples the volume in that peak period for only one month. So how to get those people in? And when you have them, you have to train them, right? I mean, that's a big problem. You have to speed up. You, you have to really learn them fast how the processes are working in, in a way to that they can achieve a certain efficiency and quality of the process. Or the fulfillment windows and cutoff times. So, like same day, next day delivery is just being normal, actually. It's just a standard. But what about efficiency? What you see is that often the efficiency drops just before cutoff because you need those orders out on time. I mean, customer satisfaction is really important for you as an e-com company. Because when was the last time that you told somebody that your order was on time with the right products? Never, right? I mean, that's just standard. That's, what you, that's normal business. But what if it's the other way around? If you don't get your orders in time, you got the wrong orders, or it's broken or damaged. I mean, that's when you tell your friends, your colleagues, you post it on the internet, and that's bad for your company as well. So maybe next time, people will go to another website. So customer satisfaction is so important nowadays. And last but not least, also, also the uncertainty in growth profiles. A thing you have to invest for 10, maybe 15 years, but you have to do a prediction on your growth numbers. How difficult is that? Especially in e-com, where the SKUs are growing very rapidly, and also the orders are growing very rapidly, but where does it go? Nobody knows, right? So, we're all gonna solve this in our DC. This is what a typical DC looks like. I hope you recognize those processes. Of course, we have our inbound flows and our outbound orders going out, but it really depends on the size of your items, orders, if you're gonna do pallet picking or full case picking or item picking. And what we see, there is a real trend in going towards item picking because the increase of e-com, but also that retail orders are more and more looking like e-com orders. You have now store-friendly delivery, where orders are getting smaller because you do like department picking. You see a department already as an order. 
and also um, the frequency that you deliver to your shops is getting, um, is getting up. So therefore, retail orders are getting smaller actually, which means that you are getting closer to the item picking. So that's why we just uh, put a lot of effort in developing new order fulfillment concepts for item picking. So, different concepts, but where to grow, what to do. So where you are in this graph is, is very particular for every one of you. But let's say you're going to start with a pure manual operation, just left top. So a high OPEX, a lot of people in, but a really low investment. And how to grow. We also call this the banana graph, because it shows like the shape of a banana. As always, then the question, where do you are on that banana? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go to slide? Well, let's give you an example what you can do if you are in a pure manual operation and you just want to make your first step into automation. It's a concept called mini-batching plus manual sort. I'll give you an example of one of our customers uh, called FNAC. It's the biggest uh, bookstore and electronics company in, uh, in France. And besides the 207 retail stores, they also have a website, FNAC.com. And it's the third biggest website of France in terms of visits. And um, they started with retail, but then e-com came up. And what they did is they built a new warehouse where they do the e-fulfillment uh, today. And it's close to the old facility. And what they did is they started first with the green area. And the green area is just sorting and packing, actually. The, the manual picking they still did from their previous DC at first, just to, um, yeah, to, uh, how you call it? to increase the capacity. So I'll go through the solution. It's a manual batch pick solution. And for the people who don't know the term mini-batch, uh, you have to think of about 50 orders within a batch, only multi-item orders with roughly around three items per order. So say 150 items in total. So you don't have one person pick those items. No, you pick items in parallel. So multiple or, uh, operators are picking that batch, which means you're decreasing walking times. So you're really increasing your operator efficiency. And they re we really did a smart job there to not only do parallel picking, but also do chaotic storage. I don't know if you heard about the term chaotic storage. Uh, Amazon started with this. It's just normal you do SKU by SKU storage, right? Your SKU has a particular location and it can only be found at one location in your warehouse. But what about if you just put your stock randomly at your locations. So that one particular skew is not only at one location, but at multiple locations. And if you have one location, you can have multiple skews stored at that location. Okay, some people think I'm crazy now, but that's really increasing your operator productivity. And why? You don't have people in Holder Warehouse picking those 150 items but maybe just one-third of your warehouse where you could pick those items. So you're really increasing your operator efficiency here. 
Of course, this is only doable for the larger operator, for the larger manual picking areas, but it's still a very good concept. After those items are picked, they are consolidated in a batch buffer, and when the batch is complete, it's sent to a manual um, sorting uh, process. So here again, all the processes. We start at receiving, put the items randomly on stock. So here it's a real mix of books and electronics. The buffer, where the items are consolidated, sort to order to a put wall, packing and labeling, and then, last but not least, a shipping sorter. So here, like, it's the first step in automation. You're increasing operator efficiency. So with the same space, actually, you can have a higher capacity. And because of that chaotic storage, you can achieve a better fill rate of your manual area as well, because you just fill it up with all kinds of items. Jake is going to tell you more about a little bit down to the banana, to the goods to picker. Thank you, Cloudy. So you can see if we follow the banana graph, uh, what's happening here is our capex is uh, going up, uh, but our opex is going down. So how do we do that? We do that with goods to picker. Uh, I think it makes sense to call it picker now, uh, as we see that we trend towards more robots uh, and less manual labor, which again will increase your capex but reduce your opex. Uh, and this here, uh, it's a nice little animation, and I'll walk you through it, of how this works. So in general, what you have is product stock. Uh, it's going to some sort of automated storage and retrieval system. Most common today is shuttles. Uh, the shuttle's going to pick up a tote, and it's going to bring that product. Uh, the tote can be a mixed skew, single skew, whatever it might have in it, but it's going to be uh, product storage that's being uh, put in usually a tall and densely, uh, let's say, populated with SKUs, uh, ASRS. Uh, that's going to bring it directly to a picker or to a conveyor, which will convey it to a picker. And like I said, that picker can be a robot, can be a, a human, could be anything, as long as it picks something and puts it into either an order tote or an order carton. So let me go back and replay it one more time. So again, we'll follow the green tote. And this is what we call discrete order picking. So this would be, let's say, a one-to-one -one pick. We're going to pick the green, the brown, and then we're going to send that carton off and it goes directly out to pack out. So what is this doing for us? A, it's reducing all of those walk times and all of those operators that you just saw in the previous example, uh, as well as allowing us to pick orders discreetly. And so from a software point of view, uh, on the e-com side, let's say you get an instant delivery that comes in, you want a customer, or a customer wants their product in two hours, four hours, whatever it might be. Uh, our target is filling an order in 15 minutes or less. That's the target now uh, that we see. So. What else this does is that when you have these goods to picker stations, uh, we can future-proof them, meaning that today we might be using an operator to actually pick from one tote to another, but in the future, they've been supplemented or can be supplemented with a robot or a cobot, so collaborative robots, in case you don't know what cobot means. Uh, and it's quite, let's say, collaborative robot is basically a human can interface with a robot without any trouble. So you can go up there, you can touch it, you can stop it. Uh, that's, that's a cobot, yeah? So an example of where we've done this, we're actually uh, implementing a site in North America. The interesting thing is we most often see this uh, goods to picker 
in e-com right now, especially for the fast order lead times and the flexibility that it's giving. Uh, but I wanted to put on screen an example of something we're doing for a customer in North America. It's actually for retail. Uh, some of the benefits that this is giving the customer is, again, uh, it's efficient item picking, so we're reducing labor uh, in the DC. But the interesting side effect of being able to sequence these, this product directly to a picker uh, is that through sequencing, we can now deliver the product or the items directly to a picker in a store-friendly manner. So we build these retail uh, order totes that now go directly to the proper department, where in the past, this particular customer had to split everything, let's say they pushed it through the system to have the most efficient uh, uh, operators uh, or picking efficiency in the DC, but they were losing out on a ton of efficiency in stores. So if you can imagine you have 100 stores and you have product that goes into department with uh, men's undergarments, with uh, toothbrushes and all sorts of stuff, the people in the stores are actually walking to each one of these departments to try and deposit these items. So what we've done now is with store-friendly delivery, putting these items, all of your men's wear together, your toothbrushes, your cosmetics all together, uh, we can reduce the FTEs in stores. So it's not the fact that you've only reduced your FTEs uh, in your retail DC. We've now reduced your, your FTEs in your stores, but let's say by 100, because we can take out one FTE per store. This is some of the technology that's being used today to get these impacts, these positive impacts for these retailers. One example on the left, is pockets. Pockets are nice because they're, well, they're incredibly flexible. You can do a lot of things with them. Uh, you can store, you can sequence, you can buffer. So you can basically pair a pocket with many of the solutions we've talked about. So batch picking, you can even pair it with the goods to picker. Uh, it gives you quite some flexibility. Talked about already the cobot. So this is an example of a cobot. So this is where it's actually at the pick station. It's picking one-to-one. -one. You could walk up to it. Like I said, it'll slow down when you get too close. If you touch it, it'll stop. And finally, AGVs. So consolidating the pallets or bringing the pallets to a, let's say, a, a single destination for uh, receival or retrieval, sorry. Uh, AGVs, we see this already a lot in the market. Uh, right now, as AGVs continue to grow, we'll see AGVs start to be used in, in actual racking uh, projects, if you will. So instead of having maybe a high bay crane, we're going to have an AGV instead that goes down the rack aisle, which was a manual, let's say, 10 years ago. And now it's going to be automated just by using AGVs to go pick the pallets and bring them to, let's say, a depalletization robot, uh, which will then put it into a case buffer, which is our goods to picker, which is then going to bring those cases directly to a palletizing robot back to an AGV where it's been palletized and out to the store in what would essentially be a lights-out facility. Thank you. But what if you want to combine your retail process and your e-com process? What possibilities are there? Let's, for simplicity reasons, call retail, wholesale the same. What we see here are three different possibilities how you could fulfill those processes. On the left of every example, you see the, um, the store. And on the right, you see the customer order, customer home. So the first, what you can do is you start with retail because you already were doing retail and you had like already a DC in place. So what you could do is having a 3PL of a platform supplier doing your e-com business. But at some point, if you start growing and growing and growing, you can do your e-com in-house as well. And there we see two different flavors. 
on the one hand, we see the companies that really split retail from e-com. So they built their own e-com process, like the example that I showed from FNAC in France. And on the right, you see the omni-channel systems, at least what we call the omni-channel systems. That's really combining technology to do retail and e-com orders with the same system. And actually, we see all three modes at our customers. But what we do see, that there is an increase in option C. And especially because the last challenge that I showed at the DC challenges, because the growth profiles are very hard to predict. And now you have like a big machine, whether you can do e-com orders and retail orders. I would like to show you one example. It's an example of an omnichannel project that we're working on. And it's an, uh, a fashion uh, omnichannel retailer. Um, and what you see often, especially in fashion, is that for the retail peak, they have a peak in July. And for the e-com, they see a peak in December. So here, the system. Of course, there are sweet spots for technology. So what you see is that for retail, just sorting full cases, it's very good to use a, a cross-belt sorter. It's really the sweet spot of a cross-belt sorter. So that's in. For e-com, and especially also for fashion, where you have a lot of returns, the pocket sorter comes in, really the sweet spot for e-com. But we also need some flexibility, right? Because we are not sure, we are not sure, we know, but there are differences in July and differences in December. So that's why we put in a big ACRS system where we can pick all types of orders and we adjust the, the stations actually to sometimes pick an e-com order and sometimes a retail order. Those shuttles and the crossbelt shorter are replenished by mini load cranes, which you see here. And that's actually the total heart of the system. So going to a little bit into the scenario thinking. So one scenario is the July retail peak. What you see is what we do now is that we completely use our crossbelt sorter 100%. But then we know there are retail orders left that we have to pick from the ACRS system. So in this example, we have 45 stations and we use over half of it for residual picking for retail, just to be sure that we can pick those retail orders. The pocket sorter is not totally filled because we have actually capacity yeah, extra. But we use also our GTP system to pick multi-item orders and single-item orders. Especially the single-item orders is very nice to pick directly in the GTP system because they can be sent directly to speed lanes, for instance, just for order bagging, or just directly to packing to pack it in a carton. So this is one scenario. The other scenario is just the other way around. It's a December peak for e-com where we say, okay, we just fully utilize our pocket sorter and we know that we have to fulfill the rest of the orders with the GTP system. Again, the flexible heart of this system. You see now that you have space available at the item sorter. You cannot occupy it fully, but you use, again, the, the rest of the stations at, uh, at the ACRS system for residual picking. 
So you use really the crossbelt for the full cases and the rest of the items we do like item picking. So to conclude on this, you really can combine those two flows. What you really have to think in scenarios, what are the scenarios that you are seeing? When is your peak in the one type of flow? What is your peak in the other type of flow? And do I see a possibility to combine this? I'll give the word to Jake to our key takeaway messages. So we'd like to conclude with a couple of takeaway messages. Uh, and you may have followed the theme here. So what's a key challenge? Need for more capacity with the same footprint. So you're in your same DC and you want to get more capacity. A possible course of action is like we talked about to increase flow and storage, to storage density uh, by using chaotic storage and mini batching. The next one, which is generally more e-com specific, is your order fulfillment windows. Uh, trying to achieve short order lead times uh, and really, let's say, harsh cutoff times, uh, which is what the market appears to be demanding now. This is goods to picker. This is the fastest lead time. Uh, and as well, they're scalable. So when we talk about the e-com growth early on and the 20% growth, uh, if your company is one of the fortunate companies growing at 50, 100%, 200% in e-com, well, goods to picker might be the right solution for you guys. And then uncertainty and growth profiles. What does that mean? It means you need a flexible system, which is what Cloudy talked about. Uh, Omnichannel. You need flexibility. You need to have a system and a solution that can flex towards retail orders, as well as e-com orders, and different peaks. You can imagine that you might have an Easter peak and you might have a Black Friday peak. There's a lot of different peaks. Uh, there's companies that we work with that have their own special days for peaks in e-com. And you have to be able to flex towards those peaks. So finally, I'd like to open it up to questions. What questions do you guys have for us? If there's no questions, it means we did a fantastic job, right? Good. There's a lot of faces that look like they want to come talk to us at our booth. So, if you want to come talk to us at our booth, we're booth number 8219. Uh, we're there all week, and there's a lot of smart people besides Cloudy and myself. Uh, so you can come talk to us, ask us, uh, yeah, about some of this. Tell us what your challenges are, what you're facing, and hopefully we can come up with a solution that best benefits you guys.